0: It's time for governance by grace welcome to Grace gracearchy with jim babka so jim thanks to gary nolan whose show you appear on regularly we have this amazing audio from an interview that gary did with perry willis from wartruth.org and perry's been on our show before but there's something special about this interview right
1: yeah, I thought that this was the best appearance that Gary had, that Perry has, excuse me, on this subject. Uh, despite the fact that they're going through, you know, a radio show, which has, you know, unlike our podcast, has to keep stopping for commercial breaks and and bumpers, sure. you know, coming in. Hey, it was, you know, so more, much past the hour, so there won't be any video for you to watch here, but it's a concise review of U.S. historical interventions.
0: Yeah, and is it ever concise? We'll come back at the end with a little wrap up, but I want to say thank you to Gary and Zimmer Radio Network for sharing this footage with us. And uh, here we
2: go, everybody. I watched as they debated foreign policy. And I watched as the, uh, as the Republicans were supporting the same errant foreign policy we've had for over a hundred years. So I, I called uh, on Perry Willis uh, to come on the program. Uh, to explain the history of American war, and it is not what you were taught in grade school. If you want more information, or you want to read uh, what Perry has uh, put together, because he's done some great articles on this, go to wartruth. dot org, wartruth. dot org, uh, and read about our foreign policy. with that uh, With that in mind, let me bring Perry on. Hey, Perry. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I am doing well. Glad to have you with us. We got you up at o oh dark 30 in the morning because I think you're on Pacific time. But we are grateful Good that morning,
3: you're man, glad to be with you.
2: Great. Uh, we're going to just jump right in here um, because we have a history of the federal government lying to us to motivate us to go into war. And, you know, it, it appears to start with the War of 1812.
3: Yeah, uh, it goes back to the very beginning and, and pretty much every single war that we've ever been involved in has had the same features. And what I like to do is I like to look at each war and ask four questions. Did it defend freedom? Did it defend, defend America? Did it make the world a better place? Was it caught, fought for true reasons or under false pretenses? So if right, you look that, at the... Go
2: ahead, go ahead. Uh, all right, so uh, my history lessons, they told me uh, that U.S. sailors were forced to serve on British ships, uh, and that there was a trade uh, deal going on, uh, and and that's what the war was about. But that's not what the war was about, right?
3: No, uh, the impressment was certainly going on. But what they don't what they didn't teach me in high school, and I didn't learn until later, was. All sides did impressment, including the U.S. Navy, including U.S. merchant ships. And this practice continued into the 20th century in some cases. So that was nothing new. And if you wanted to have a war about it, you could do it any time because it was always going on, except that you, you yourself, the U.S., was doing it too. So that wasn't the real reason. If you look at the debates in Congress and you look at the newspapers of the time, the real thing that they were hoping for out of that war was that they would be able to conquer Canada. So we wanted to expand. We wanted to expand, right. We thought we should have Canada, and we thought we could get it as a result of this war. And, of course, we got our nose bloodied, and that didn't happen. Uh, And then it continues that way. All the wars of the 19th century were wars of conquest, and all of them were fought under false pretenses. And and in at least one case, there was a much better option to achieve what what we did. And and that's in the next war, the the Mexican-American War.
2: All right, so Where this goes back he, to 1846.
3: That's right. Uh, so, so go ahead, you, t- you tell the story. We so drew an artificial line in, in the gr- on the ground in Texas, instead said if the Mexican army crosses this line, they're coming into our territory, and, and it's an invasion. And so there was a staged event to make it look like that had happened. Well, Ulysses Grant was there as one of the people on the American side, and he wrote about it in his memoirs. It was a fake event. And it led to us invading Mexico so that we could take possession of the uh, western half of the United States, California, Arizona, New Mexico, so forth. So now, I'm sure we're all glad that we have those territories and we probably all think that we do a better job with them than Mexico did. But the war was fought under, under false pretenses. It was a war of conquest. And there was a better alternative. And the better alternative was the same way we bought the Louisiana Purchase and Alaska. Uh, because in that particular case uh, 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 during the Mexican War, Mexico owed us a lot of money and was in default on, on its debts to us. So we simply could have foreclosed and wow. sent the troops into the Western territories to uh, compensate for the, for the debts. And maybe paid Mexico a little bit of extra money if we thought it was worth more. And we would not have had a war uh, that cost a lot of lives and that uh, created you know, long-term enmity between the Mexican people and the American people.
2: And, and Polk's uh, manifesto was Manifest Destiny. Uh,
3: it, it's... Yeah, the one good thing to say about Polk is he's probably the one president in American history who set out exactly what he was going to do before he was elected and then did every part of it and then retired.
2: So no. that so that's two wars, two conflicts fought uh, and, and based on lies. Based on and, lies, that's right. All right, so let's move up to 1898. We have the Spanish-American War.
3: Yeah, so this is where things really go wrong. Uh, the American people were told that this was a war to liberate uh, the Spanish colonies, especially Cuba, but all of the Spanish colonies it wasn't a war of liberation at all. It was a war in order to conquer uh, an empire of the United States. Now, we did, after we won the war, we sort of let Cuba be sort of free, although they were really under our thumb and and ruled by a long string of U.S.-backed dictators. So they weren't really free. But at the same time, we uh, took colonies in Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Guam, so that was the real purpose of the war. It didn't have anything to do with freedom. Um, uh, but it get, but it gets worse because the Filipinos resisted our rule, and that led to the Philippines War.
2: Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, the, wait a minute. Didn't what happened to the
3: uh, the, the sinking of the Maine? Ah, oh, yeah. Thank you. I forgot about that. So that's the supposed. That's the uh, other than liberating the Spanish colonies. That's the other supposed reason, that Spain supposedly blew up our battleship. And so the cry was, remember the Maine. But this has been researched a lot, including by Admiral Rickover of the U.S. Navy, and it was a, a, a coal bunker fire that caused the explosion that had nothing to do with Spain. So, you know, this is... This is a pattern that we're going to see as we go through these wars, that the politicians come up with some sort of precipitating event to get the American people all worked up and angry, and they go to war. And then when it's all over and done, the passions have cooled, and the American people look back at what happened and say, gosh, I wish we hadn't have done that. But somehow they're not ready the next time when the politicians come up with another fake event and and trick them into going to war yet again.
2: All right. Let's move up to the Philippine War. This is eighteen ninety
3: nine to nineteen oh two. Yeah. So you know, we 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 were supposed to be liberating the Philippines, but since the truth is that we really wanted the Philippines as a colony, uh, we had to fight them when they resisted, and we used rape, torture, mass murder of Filipinos to finally subdue them we killed something like a quarter million Filipinos the pictures from this war looked like something out of the holocaust and i think most americans would most americans don't know that this war even happened let alone how horrific it was
2: why did we want the philippines so much what what about the philippines was so attractive that we were willing well, to go we, to war to take them
3: our politicians thought that you know all the major powers in the world had empires and colonies. And we were, we were done with manifest, manifest Destiny. We had the whole, you know, Atlantic to Pacific portion of the North American continent. How were we, how were we going to continue to expand uh, and be an imperial power like all the other great powers? So it was a, purely a desire, desire for empire. It had nothing to do with liberating anyone.
2: Well, couldn't, couldn't the United States, because that was the way it was done uh, in the 1800s, couldn't they have just said, uh, we're going to conquer this land and make it ours? I mean, that's what Britain did. Britain di- didn't.
3: I, they couldn't have, because fortunately, there was tremendous opposition to the Spanish-American War among the American people. And uh, famous people like Mark Twain were involved in the opposition. A lot of uh, ex-presidents were involved in the opposition to the war. In fact, if memory serves, the vote in Congress for the war was pretty close. So, absent the propaganda that we were gonna liberate these colonies, I, I don't think the American people would have supported the war, and I don't think it could have been approved in Congress. So, it had to be based on a lie in order for it to happen.
2: All right, we got to move forward here, but I'm up against the clock. I have to take a break. Uh, Perry Willis is with us, author, and uh, he's done some terrific research. If you want to look at some of the things that he's written uh, to to do your own homework, go to wartruth.org, because now we're going to go into the 20th century and see what we've done that uh, that, uh, has made us less safe. Gary Nolan Zimmer Radio Network. It is nine fifty one. Glad to have you with us on the Gary Nolan Show. If you just turned the radio on, we're talking with Perry Willis. He's done a great deal of homework uh, dealing with uh, U.S. involvement overseas. Uh, I was inspired to do this after watching uh, the Republicans debate uh, going after uh, you know spending more money in Ukraine uh, and their concerns about China and how we have to do this and if we don't do this it blah 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 it just made me crazy so I invited Perry Willis on who's done all this work and you can uh, you can review his work because it's it's up there on the uh, on the world wide web it's wartruth.org, wartruth.org uh, and if you've got any questions I want you to feel free to call us. Eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. We're now jumping ahead to the twentieth century, and Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, and he, what you're telling me, Perry, is that Teddy Roosevelt practically created Japan,
3: the Empire of Japan. Yeah. He. Uh, so this is kind of a fallout uh, from the, the 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 Spanish-American War. Uh, Roosevelt. is very impressed by the Japanese. In fact, his his views are very similar to those of of Adolf Hitler's. He subscribed to the same racist Aryan theory that the Nazis did. He believed it was the right and duty of Aryans to conquer darker people. Uh, He foreshadowed Hitler by adopting the Japanese as honorary Aryans. And he proposed a Monroe Doctrine for the Western Pacific that encouraged Japan to conquer an empire. And he gave Japan their first imperial victim, which was Korea. I mean, uh, this the, is a date the, that I really. What's this that?
2: is the same country we've had a military presence in since the 1950s.
3: Yes, yes. And we'll be getting to how our U.S. politicians. Created the current situation with North Korea as we go along here. Uh, but this is kind of the start of that. The whole process that leads to the, to the division of Korea starts here. And it's a date that I think Americans should remember the same way that they remember Pearl Harbor. And that date is November 28, 1905. Because on that day, Teddy Roosevelt closed the U.S. Embassy in Korea and invited the Japanese to conquer the country. How did he invite them to do that? He just to say, hey, come in and, con- come in and conquer the country. We're not going to oppose you. We're closing our embassy. In fact, here you can have our embassy.
2: So was, Jap- Jap- was Japan making uh, making uh, uh, overtures about taking over Korea?
3: They were interested in basically emulating us and the British. We had just conquered a an empire in the western pacific and they thought well we're we want to be a major power too what we want to have an empire also and teddy roosevelt thought that would be a great idea and he said why don't you make korea your first colony
2: you know we actually have proof that he he invited them to do this
3: yes yes if your listeners would like to learn more about this, the best book on this subject is by James Bradley. It's a book called The Imperial Cruise, and it lays out all the points I've just made. And again, this is history; it's all based on primary sources too. This is not uh, secondary sources or hearsay or you know somebody wrote this sometime in a book. It's all primary documentary sources, and it lays out all the points that I just just made here.
2: Perry Willis is with us and uh, Wartruth.org. You can find out the, the history of America's foreign policy. Uh, and, and again, uh, it appears that we have gotten engaged uh, in an activity that we later had to clean up that didn't make us safer. Um, it's it really uh, it, it's just more of the same history. That we are still being told we should engage in, and it—it's really frustrating to hear the Republicans keep saying, "Well, we got to worry about China. We got to worry about Ukraine. we've Got to worry about Putin." So let's move over to World War One, if we can, because uh, we're—we're kind of running a little long
3: here. The, the yeah, impetus. Go ahead. The, the question I ask about this one is, did U.S. politicians support the more evil side in World War I? And that comes as a shock to people because they kind of think of Germans in World War I as being the same as the Germans in World War II. You know, the Kaiser was marching around in this silly uniform with a spiked helmet, and weren't they trying to conquer Europe, and, and weren't they evil, and didn't we have to stop them? And... But none of that's really true. If you look at the situation at that time, the biggest empires in the world were Great Britain, France, and Russia. Germany didn't have a big empire. Austria-Hungary didn't have a big empire. Uh, Russia was an autocracy, whereas Germany was a constitutional monarchy. They had a prime minister and a parliament, just like Great Britain. Well, so go ahead. Go, go ahead.
2: No, I, would the, so this uh, Ferdinand deal was not the reason for World War I?
3: Well, it, it started a chain of events that led to World War II primarily because uh, alliances that were supposed to prevent war from happening actually encouraged it to happen. But talking about the U.S. angle on this, when we entered the war, we entered on the side of more evil powers the powers that had conquered more of the world, the the powers, uh, we had Russia as an ally, which was an autocracy. So, why did we do that? When, When the war started, Wilson told Americans to be neutral both in deed and in thought. But then he himself was not neutral in deed or thought from the very beginning. He supported England from the very beginning. And the way that we did that was we honored the British blockade, which meant effectively that we were trading with France and Britain, but not Germany. We would let Britain stop our ships, our merchant ships, and not let them go to German ports.
2: What about the sinking of the Lusitania?
3: This is why eventually the Germans started sinking our merchant ships. All right. they were starving, and it was the per- only way they could redress the balance of us honoring the blockade.
2: All right, Perry, I, I'm up against the clock. I have to take a break. I'm going to ask you to hang on because we've got just a couple of more uh, uh, excursions in foreign policy uh, to expose to listeners. WarTruth.org. Uh, you can you can look at his research. You can look at what he's written. He's got links everywhere. We're going to come back and uh, wrap up the 20th and into the 21st century. At about 10 five on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. We've done a, a, a very brief history of this. Uh, and if you're uh, if you're interested in uh, getting more details, go to wartruth.org. Wartruth.org, uh, where Perry's research is available. And it's been very, very telling um, how all of our excursions we've been lied to. I mean, blatantly lied to. Uh, And it it has a lot to do with uh, Getting more real estate Uh, Manifest destiny during the Polk uh, years Uh, And we've gone on to talk about How Teddy Roosevelt literally Invited Japan to take over Korea We saw there's a mess we're still dealing with today from this Uh, and, And this is not, Perry, welcome back This is not Hearsay, secondhand, uh, there is research where this is being
3: communicated, right? To Japan. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. There's a great book on the on the Teddy Roosevelt-Korea case called the Imperial Cruise. Uh, there's great books on all the stuff we've talked about so far and the stuff we're going to talk about. And they're all listed in the articles that are available on warship.org.
2: All right, so this is a, a history lesson that most Americans don't get. Uh, World War I, we're told it was the sinking of the Lusitania, but we also know that we were warned not to sail into those waters. Uh, we were uh, showing a preference for Great Britain, uh, starving uh, Germany. Uh, this was not the Germany of the Nazis in World War II. World War I led to World War II. Uh, if we hadn't gotten involved in World War One, what might have happened?
3: If we had not gotten involved in World War I, it would have ended in a draw. There would have been no victors. Uh, there would have been mutinies by the troops in the trenches. They would have stopped fighting. Uh, that, was, that had already happened. It was happening on the Eastern Front, and it had already happened on, on the French Front. It would have ended in a draw. But because we intervened, we gave victory undeserved victory to the largest imperial powers in the world which were Britain France and Russia and because we did that we set off three catastrophic events one of them was the creation of the Soviet Union which would not have occurred if we had not intervened in World War 1 the other was the eventual rise of radical islam which came about because we gave victory to France and Britain who betrayed uh, people in the Middle East to create more colonies there and to create these Frankenstein hodgepodge countries like Iraq. That this went goes on back to cause all the problems we've had recently.
2: This goes back to Lawrence of Arabia,
3: doesn't it? It does. It does. The, the British had made a deal with the Arabs about what would happen afterwards, that, that they would have their own country would, uh, uh, but that, that was betrayed. Once the U.S. U.S. politicians gave victory to Britain and France, Britain and France carved up the Middle East to create new colonies for themselves.
2: And if I'm not and mistaken, they they carved them up so that they would be fighting each other instead of fighting Britain.
3: That's right. They they they, they created these countries to be as in, internally unstable as possible, so that the internal conflict would make it easier for Britain and, and France to control them. Unbelievable. And that's why we end up later with dictatorships running these countries because they're so, they're, they're so poorly designed. All right. Uh, so but the worst thing probably that happened from us in world war one was the creation of the Soviet union.
2: All right. Well, let's, Mostly. let's, let me let me do this. I'm going to divert you a little bit. World War One. If we don't get involved, <clears throat> they fight to a draw. We don't have the Treaty of Versailles. We don't heap all this debt on Germany, and then we don't have Adolf Hitler.
3: We don't have Adolf Hitler, but there's an additional uh, U.S. policy that, ha- that, in addition to intervention in World War One, that's required for Hitler to come about. Hitler is really a phenomenon of the, of the Federal Reserve monetary policy, which caused the Great Depression, which spread around the world, uh, and which brought Hitler to power. Uh, absent, absent that, absent the Great Depression, the Nazis would have been a tiny party. I, I show in the article that I write about this that the Nazis were very, very small prior to the Great Depression— and then mushroomed in size once the Great Depression started. So, two things were needed to bring Hitler to power. One was the you know the Versailles Treaty, uh, and the other one was the Federal Reserve causing the Great Depression.
2: Well, that and and uh, the tariff war that we started, the trade war, uh, Smoot-Hawley. Yeah, the
3: Smoot-Hawley uh, tariff bill was was horrible.
2: All, All right. So all that happens because we tripped, we tipped the balance. Their agreement would have been completely different, and that's the impetus behind World War II uh, with Adolf Hitler. But wait, there's more, because uh, part of the axis of power, uh, the axis of evil, as they say, uh, was Japan. Uh, how on earth we, we helped create Japan, uh, you said, when uh, when we invited them to take over Korea, but how did they then become our enemy?
3: Well, because they went on from to Korea, Korea to try and conquer Manchuria. You know, they were Teddy. Petty told them go go create an empire. Well, we had the Philippines and Guam, and you know, all those countries and islands around them. Where did where could they go to to do their empire? They had to go into Asia itself. So first, they went into Korea, and then they went into Manchuria. And so when FDR is president, he starts an embargo against Japan to try to get them to stop invading Manchuria. And we were the major source of their oil. And they thought, uh, we've got to get oil from someplace else. And, you know, Japanese politi- politi- politicians Japanese politicians are just as stupid as U.S. politicians. So instead of just buying the oil from someplace else, they decide they have to go conquer it, and that they're not going to be able to conquer it without first neutralizing the U.S. Navy, and so they attack Pearl Harbor.
2: Uh, all right, so this gets, this, this gets pretty ugly. Um, I want to roll back the clock a little bit um, because— um, there's a piece that you write about uh, with the uh, the Germans or the British rather uh, giving us all stories about uh, German atrocities, which we later hear happens again. For instance, with uh, Iraq, what were they? What were they? Uh, what were they? What was Great Britain telling the American public to get them riled up to go into war?
3: They were telling uh, us that the Germans were stabbing babies with bayonets in Belgium, and that didn't really happen. There were some atrocities. There are always atrocities in war. U.S. soldiers have committed atrocities in war. It's not, it's it's just something that happens. Uh, It was greatly exaggerated by the British. They spent a lot of money in America propagandizing the American people. But they also did something else, which actually, in my view, kind of was an act of war against the U.S. They cut the transatlantic cable so that Germany could not communicate with the U.S., so that only Great Britain would be able to tell the American people their version of what was going on.
2: Wow. That is amazing. Uh, And most of us did not learn any of this in school. Government schools were not teaching this. Um, That's right. All right, so none of this made us more secure. Uh, ultimately, it leads to uh, more deaths. Uh, this is how Adolf Hitler ends up in power. We got to go to war now. Now we've now we've been attacked by Japan at Pearl Harbor.
3: I want to stick the Soviet Union in here real quick because. Uh, uh, this, is, this is really, to me, almost the biggest uh, negative outcome of our intervention in World War I. A lot of people don't understand that there were two Russian revolutions. The first one deposed the Tsar, and the second one, which, which came uh, nearly a, uh, a year later, uh, created the Soviet Union. So how is it that U.S. intervention caused that? Well, the, the, the Russian troops were mutinying. They didn't want to fight anymore. When we got in the war, that gave the Russians increased hope that they could achieve victory. Plus, we started giving them money to stay in the war. And the result of that was that the discontent of the Russian people continued. And the only people that were saying, oh, we're going to get you out of the war, were the Bolsheviks. And so eventually, the Bolsheviks take over. If instead, and and right after we entered the war, the Germans put Lenin in a sealed train and sent him to back to Russia to to make exactly this happen, so that he would take Russia out of the war. And basically, what Germany was calculating was: okay, we've gained a new enemy in the United States. We need to get rid of one of our other enemies, which we can do by having Lenin go back to the Soviet Union to Russia. So, absent our involvement, the war would have ended before there was time for the Bolshevik Revolution to take place. And there would have been no Soviet Union, there would have been no Cold War, there would have been no Vietnam, no North Korea, probably no Red China, and the... Tens of millions that Stalin murdered and the tens of millions that Mao murdered and the millions that Pol Pot murdered would not have died, probably.
2: We have, uh, we talked about Korea being created earlier on and how that happened uh, by empowering Japan. But now we have Korea split in half, North and South. Harry Truman somehow is part of that
3: That makeup? Yes. Yes, so at the end of World War, we had a very simple-minded way that we fought uh, the war in the Pacific. We we were just intent on defeating Japan, and we didn't give any—we, I say U.S. politicians at the time— did not give any thought to what things would look like after the war. So as the war is winding down, we've got this big problem that we have to garrison— these places that the japanese had conquered and how can we do that how, where we don't have enough troops so they invite the soviet union to come in and garrison the northern half of korea and because of that we end up with north korea we created it wow what,
2: what? it's just it's just amazing how all these pathologies develop and, if, and they're all based on lies, and they're still being promoted to this day.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, we, We're always we, told that, that, that somebody is this great evil, that if we don't stop them, there will be disaster. You know, with Saddam yeah. Hussein, we have to, have to stop Saddam Hussein, or there will be disaster.
2: <laughs> all right. We've been doing this now for almost an hour, which is an, an ungodly a long time uh for a, a radio broadcast but I'm going to bring it on for just a few more minutes because we're going to talk about this this uh, Ukraine China deal and 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 Russia and and uh, Taiwan and and see if we can put it all together and wrap it up. Perry Willis our guest, wartruth.org. I'm the Gary Nolan show the Zimmer Radio Network. Perry Willis is with us I invited him on the program Uh, because he's done a great deal of research on America at war going all the way back to the 1800s. And it is an education that you're not getting in public schools. And what it seems is that uh, every time we got involved, it's because our government lied to us uh, to get us uh, to compel us to go uh, to war. Uh, I know that uh, when uh, we went into Iraq, uh, we were told that the Iraqi military was in Kuwait. Uh, taking babies out of incubators. Uh, But that wasn't really true. Uh, That was actually a a Kuwaiti, a relative of the Kuwaiti ruling uh, 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 government uh, lied to the American public. Is that right,
3: Perry? Yeah, that's right. Uh, And the other thing our politicians didn't tell us then was that our own uh, U.S. ambassador to Iraq, April Glaspie, had basically given Saddam Hussein a green light. For that invasion. Uh, And if I'm not
2: mistaken, Kuwait was cross drilling for oil into Iraq.
3: Yes, yes. Yeah, we weren't, American people weren't told that either. And then it gets worse because in order to invade Iraq, uh, we had to station troops in Saudi Arabia. And to get the Saudis to do that, we faked satellite photographs showing the Iraqi army. Masked on the Saudi Raven border. It wasn't true. They were fake photographs. So I remember that. I remember that. They were not only lying to us, they were lying lying to the Saudis. I and remember so We stationed troops there, we do the invasion out of there, and we all know what that leads to later with Osama bin Laden. Uh, so everything we do recoils and blows up in our face. And it, it's all right. because we're trying I, I... to do our politics
2: i, I got to get some phone calls in here, at least a couple of questions for you, uh, but I want to wrap this thing up. Uh, d- based on our history, does it make sense for us to be sending billions of dollars uh, in military equipment to Ukraine?
3: I don't think so. I, I think Putin is evil. I think his invasion of Ukraine is evil. I would like to be able to believe that this would be the first intervention in our history where the results turn out good. But I just cannot ignore the verdict of history. Something is going to go wrong here. It is going to blow up in our face. It is going to cause more problems than it solves. And I I just have to pay attention to the history.
2: What about this great fear of China taking over
3: Taiwan? I think you've got the same situation there. Uh, Nobody wants, no American wants China to invade and conquer and and subjugate Taiwan. None of us want that. I didn't want it for Hong Kong either, but I wasn't willing to fight a war over it and I wasn't willing to risk the negative fallout that would come from it. Because we never can predict what disastrous thing is going to happen because we did something that we thought was good. It's just, it just has never worked out for us. The road to hell is
2: paved with good intentions, and in many cases, we were lied to about the intentions. Very quickly, uh, now I'm just running out of time, the Munich myth, can you do that in about two minutes, minute and a half?
3: Yeah, the idea there is that if only we had, uh, or Britain or whoever, had resisted Hitler earlier, uh, Hitler would have been overthrown and there would have been no World War II. That is a complete myth. Every juncture, Hitler was in pretty much a no-win, a no-lose situation. When he put troops into the, into the Rhineland, uh, even if the French had pushed the troops back out, the, the German people would have seen Hitler as a hero. They wouldn't have overthrown him for that. And in the Czechoslovakia crisis, Hitler wanted war. He didn't want that agreement. He wanted to go to war right then and there because he thought he had an advantage. So this idea that if we had just resisted Hitler earlier, things would have turned out different, it's a complete myth. And this myth goes on to haunt us. It haunts us in Vietnam. This The whole domino theory thing is a, is a consequence of this myth that you got to stop them early.
2: Yeah, I remember the uh, domino theory being the excuse uh, behind uh, Vietnam. And eventually, Vietnam won... We left,
3: and now we're doing business with them. yeah, things ended up okay, didn't they? And I got and you gotta I gotta add that really the the domino theory ended up happening because we intervened. Because we intervened, we destabilized Laos and Cambodia. Absent our intervention, there would have been no Cambodian f- killing fields.
2: Keep keep the lines of communication open through trade, uh, that, and that does not yeah. make you an isolationist. Um, Perry Willis uh,
3: isolation is when you say I'm not going to trade.
2: Right, Perry Willis. Uh, thank you so much for that
3: uh, for that history of America at war. Well, thanks for giving me the time to do it. I, I appreciate it.
1: So, uh, Gary uh, was moved, as you heard during the interview, by the fact that all virtually all the Republican candidates at a debate in this, this was recorded in August 28th.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is uh, before the Israel Gaza conflict. Yeah.
1: It, it precedes it by, by almost uh, m- well over a month. Yeah. And he was concerned about the fact they all wanted to go Russian into Ukraine. They all wanted to continue to spend money on Ukraine. Uh, they all wanted they that they were scared of, of Putin. And they said that it was wrong that the U.S. would lose its leadership place in the world, which meant projection of military force. Uh, This is bad both on a budgetary basis. We're running, you know, a $33 trillion national debt um, that's built every year by compounding deficits. And it's also bad because there's blowback from intervention. And so I, I thought that this was a great performance. This covers a lot of ground quickly. People could go back. I want to encourage them. If you're listening to this show and this moved you, we have we we timestamped out this entire episode. You can go, if you're looking for just one thing and you want to clip it and share it with a friend or clip it and share it on social media or clip it and share it on your podcast or YouTube page, you're free to do so. In fact, I hope you do. Uh, get the word out on this. Um that's that's you know kind of where my head's at on this.
0: Yeah, it really moved me. Of course, you know, when we interviewed Perry, I was profoundly moved by what he had to say and by WarTruth.org. And after listening to this, Jim, I had to sit down and I wrote an essay. You wrote an essay. Yeah, I had to. Um part of that came from a post conversation that we didn't record with you about how freedom isn't free. Mm-hmm. And uh that's the title of the essay, and I could share a link if everybody wants to know that. But uh, People, this is really incredibly uh, moving stuff, living as we do in this sort of military theocracy that is America (laughs) these days,
1: (laughs) right? (laughs) Military theocracy. Wow. Yeah. We we kind of need to to revisit that. Yeah. Well, and and in fact, the timing of this show is no accident. We put it out there uh, at, at this week here in November because we're coming up upon the 11th day of the 11th month which was originally Armistice Day. It was supposed to be a day to acknowledge that war was bad, peace was much better, and this was the war to end all wars. We were going to choose peace from here forward. Yeah. Of course, we know history had other things in mind, and that this very war itself was part of what made so many of the problems that followed in the 20th century, and in some cases haunt us right now to this very hour. And I so for that reason, I don't like calling it Veterans Day. I think it kind of cheapens the whole thing and turns it into a way to sell mattresses and give away coffee. Uh, I just don't think that's the point. I think the real point is that war is hell. War destroys young lives. Uh, war should not be entered into lightly, if ever. And our missed to stay, coming back to this sense of peace, I would like to restore that title. I would like to restore that sentiment. I would like to see instead of more war, more grace. And obviously, if people understand, I think the it was, this was clear in the interview, if people understand the history of these things, they're going to be less susceptible to the myths that politicians put out in front of us because war, after all, is the health of the state. And war being the health of the state, neither of those things are grace.